Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way... Harvey Sluggo. Okay, the, a Siri just talked to me. Hey, everybody. This is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman, back for the 84th Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom call. We discuss issues of uh, profound importance to democracy and to the survival of the human race. We are engineered by Mike Hirsch from PDA and Steve Caruso from Central Ohio and the Columbus Free Press. Uh, we're joined today by, uh, well, we're starting with 74 people. I'm glad to have the great Bob Fatrakis with us, uh, among many, many others. Uh, we are gonna have a really packed um, gathering today because we're gonna focus on gerrymandering. Uh, it's really, really, hitting the fan now with the manipulation of the um, voting districts, even to the point now where at least in Ohio and North Carolina, and we're joined by Robert Wilson, the former associate assistant uh, secretary of state of North Carolina, where technically at this point in time, they can't have elections because we don't have districts. And um, we'll get to that. Uh, we're also gonna talk in the second hour we have the great Julie Levine with us from Topanga, California, and we're going to be talking about 5G. Uh, but the, uh, And we're going to begin with my old buddy, uh, Jim Garrison, uh, to introduce us to a, a great new institution that we're going to network with uh, on our election protection work. So, uh, But in the meantime, once Jim has introduced himself and his, his university, we're going to get deep, deep, deep into the uh, problems of gerrymandering. Uh, it is a, a brutal morass. It threatens our democracy right to the very core. And um, uh, so without further ado, I do want to mention we have uh, Tatanka Bricker on, Anna Georgie, Owen Fireman, uh, the usual magnificent uh, lineup of truly great activists uh, that have made it, are making and have made a difference. And we're really looking for these calls to uh, protect our democracy. I do want to mention uh, one thing up front. Um, if you have any critiques that you want to make, any suggestions um, um, uh, or uh, accolades that you want to say about uh, these calls, um, we, your, your suggestions are more than appreciated. You can write me directly at solartopia at me.com, solartopia at me.com or at gmail. Dot com either one I'm happy to hear from you I'd love to have your feedback on how we can make these calls uh, better this is the 84th we have 78 people on the line and um, are they are always of substance and and power uh, these gatherings we will be joined at one point by Dennis Bernstein the great uh, radio host from KPFA in Berkeley uh, he, he is nationally syndicated he's a great a supporter of the show. So we will take questions as we move along. I do want to quickly mention one thing. I've been watching the news, as everybody has, about uh, Ukraine, and I have yet to see a significant mention on the major media of the most important situation that we're facing in Ukraine, which is that there are 15, one, five atomic power reactors in Ukraine. And we've already had one blown up at Chernobyl in 1986. But God forbid uh, there should be a war uh, in, in Ukraine. It would be bad enough just for the war, but we would be almost guaranteed that one or more of those nuclear plants would, would cause a major catastrophe. And I, went, I was in Kiev in 1996 for a conference on the 10th anniversary of Chernobyl, and God help us, we do not want that again. So I, I wish that people would start paying attention to the fact, to the presence of these 15 reactors. I am absolutely terrified of the idea of any kind of warfare going on in Ukraine now, not only because the last thing we need is another war, but those reactors, they are old, they are decrepit, they are badly maintained, they have an aging workforce, uh, as we do here. Uh, people are re retiring 
left and right, and and the the, the reactors, the idea of, of fifteen reactors, all of which are uh, probably over thirty years old, absolutely terrifying. And anybody who gets engaged in a dialogue about the uh, potential for war in Ukraine, please pay attention to that. Uh, God help us. Okay, I want to be joined now by Jim Garrison. Jim is an old buddy. Uh, we haven't seen each other uh, for 30 years when, as Jim remembered, we were on acid. <laughs> and, and now here we are again. So uh, Jim Garrison, you are the founder. I'm bringing you in because you have a great network to share. You're also a great activist. You worked with Gorbachev, as I recall, um, and many other really uh, top level people in the world uh, uh, of uh, peace and politics. Give us, please, a, a rundown real quick on your uh, institution and your weekly calls. Thank you so much, Harvey. It's so good to be back in touch with you after all these years. Right. Knowing that we both and all of you on this call are just on the front lines of social change. I know we have very little time, so I'll just uh, introduce what we're doing in the following way. And then want to introduce a couple uh, people who've joined the call at my request who are actually spearheading the program on democracy. Um, I'm the president of uh, Ubiquity University, which is a global uh, university and learning community. We have been very active in the innovation of education. During the pandemic back in 2020, uh, we decided to do something that seemed very simple but very necessary. Uh, we started a two-hour free Zoom broadcast in May of 2020 so that people all over the world could come together and share their experiences of what it was like going through the pandemic. And we just opened it up without very much expectation. And the next thing we knew, we had tens of thousands of people in over 130 countries worldwide joining our daily broadcasts. For the first six months, we broadcast seven days a week. We now broadcast uh, five days a week. And uh, we had uh, over 400 organizations come together to co-sponsor uh, our broadcasts. And so as the months have unfolded, obviously we have taken note of different issues that have arise, whether it's the murder of George Floyd, uh, or more recently, uh, you know, the January 6th insurrection. And uh, so we develop programming that goes out to hundreds of thousands of people every day through scores of live streaming partners that have partnered with us um, on issues of note. And a, a major issue that we have been dealing with, obviously, uh, is climate change. We're in code red. Uh, but we also believe we're in code red with regards to democracy globally, with the rise of authoritarianism, uh, but very specifically in the United States. Uh, and uh, we have taken the position that this upcoming uh, election in November is absolutely a critical election, which if we lose and the right wing consolidates uh, power in the Senate and in the House, um, you know, that could well be a, a mortal blow to democracy in America for all the reasons that we know. So when Harvey and I uh, reestablished contact last week, I said we would love to uh, partner with you folks and begin to bring into Humanity Rising um, whatever it is that all of us need to know as we prepare for the uh, November election. Uh, the uh, two people very, very quickly that I would like to introduce. One is Shelley Alcorn, uh, who's on the uh, executive leadership team of Ubiquity and Humanity Rising. And she's the one over the last 18 months who's been doing regular briefings for our Humanity Rising audience uh, on democracy uh, and the uh, 2020 election. Uh, and then obviously the uh, uh, the uh, January 6th insurrection, et cetera. And then also George uh, Caponelli, uh, who came together um, uh, with Shelley 
and has really been the one who's who's uh, uh, brought the passion around uh, the protection of democracy. So I want to uh, just uh, introduce you to both of them. And George, uh, maybe you could just say just a minute or two about the program. And if we have more time, Shelley, just so we can get to know everyone. But just know that we stand ready at Humanity Rising with all of our broadcast capacity uh, to um, uh, disseminate information and ways we can empower uh, activists, not only in the United States, but worldwide on the very crucial issue of protecting democracy as we know it. And, and Jim, you'll put the links uh, to your, yeah. to human and your, your- Yeah, I'll do that right now uh, while George and, and Shelly take uh, a minute or two just uh, to share what it is we're trying to do with the program, because we'll have a series of programs between now and November. Okay, I see George, go ahead, George Campanelli. Thanks, thanks, Harry. I've heard wonderful things about you. We have a lot of friends in common, but we'll catch up on that at another time. Uh, for the moment, uh, beginning uh, March uh, 7th through 11th, and then as Jim said, for a series of weeks between March and November, we're gonna look at democracy, the need to save it and how from a variety of different perspectives authors, experts, activists, journalists. Uh, we want to really dig deep. And most of all, what we want to do is do our best to help wake up the American population uh, and remind them that they have a very critical and essential role uh, in saving democracy. Um, and we look forward to having you and other members of your a weekly podcast as part of this series. So I'm going to let Shelley weigh in, but uh, that in a nutshell, and through you and through Jim, uh, we'll talk about it. We do panels that are really incredible dialogues, featured interviews, and a variety of ways that we will cover the topic with these individuals. Wonderful. Thank you. Really, really glad to be tied up with you. And, and where is... Uh... Uh, you're Shelly. You have Shelly on, and then we're going to move into gerrymandering. But um, I, I highly recommend that Jim is top flight. And um, 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 as I say, worked with Gorbachev and uh, among others. Uh, and do you have Shelly with us? Yeah, I'm here. And hello. Thank oh, you, you very are. much. Okay, very good. <laughs> Thank you very much for having us. Um, as we have discussed, the prevailing attitude, it seems to me, on the part of the American public is it can't happen here. Wow. And that's a complete and utter fallacy. Uh, not only can it happen here, it is happening here. <laughs> and whatever we can do to collectively understand the why and the how and what we can do the better. Um, so I've been an avid politics watcher my entire life and studied many fascist and totalitarian political movements and see all of the signs um, in the United States now that I had hoped I would never see. Um, so that's what we're here to do, to meet people, to help, uh, to offer our broadcast um, and to collaborate on um, these and critical issues that are, um, to be frank, running out of time <laughs> to solve. Well, so thank you, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much, Je Shelley, Jim, and George. We will join you uh, on your on your podcasts and your gatherings. And uh, we'll we'll this is good a good synergy. And we're Jim. It's good to see you again. And very we'll, good to see you. We'll keep keep doing doing this back and forth. So thank you very much. We've just vastly added to our network. Jim, you're right next to uh, Tatanka Bricker here on my screen. Tatanka's in Santa Cruz, not far from you. Oh. And you guys should connect. Let's meet up. And with the uh, Romero Institute and, and all the great work that they do. So both you guys are the real deal, uh, along with Shelly and George. And please do make the connection. All right? I, I know Jim from quite a while ago, and he knows Danny very well. And it's really good to see you, Jim. <laughs> that always happens. You know, yeah. I make these great introductions. <laughs> and, 
you know, and people have known their cousins and they've known each other all their <laughs> lives. So, all right, great. Well, thank you very much, Jim. It's an honor you and George and Sherry to be with us and we'll move ahead, okay? We have 87 people on the call. Um, uh, as Mike mentioned, we can't use four letter words, uh, but we can speak every way else, uh, including in Yiddish. So I want to um, uh, go now uh, to Nevada and then we'll go to North Carolina and Ohio. Um, 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 start with Judy, Judith Whitmer. Then we'll go to um, um, uh, Mr. Wilson, and then to uh, the uh, in North Carolina, uh, Robert, and then uh, in Ohio. Judith, can you tell us uh, uh, this horrendous, horrendous wave of, of uh, assault on our electoral process? Uh, if you can start with Nevada, that would be great. Please, you are a. Please tell us what your your title is? Hi, I'm Judith. I'm Judith Whitmer. I'm the chair of the Nevada State Democratic Party. Um, we were alerted recently that a Republican Washoe County Commissioner had uh, placed an item on the agenda that would call for elections to be militarized at polling locations, called for the National Guard to be at every polling location. Uh, called for um, eliminating nonpartisan oversight of ballot collection and result counting. Um, it called for eliminating electronic voting booths. Um, in other words, it's, it's absolute voter suppression tactics, the kind of tactics that we're used to seeing in a lot of red states, but we're not used to seeing here in Nevada. Um, in Nevada, our legislators have done a really good job of making it easy uh, for Nevadans to vote with a, an extended early voting period. Um, now everyone can get a mail-in ballot. Um, we've made everything more accessible and we have automatic voter registration. So now we're seeing these, these uh, attacks coming forth. And you know that's why it's so important for all of us to be vigilant all the time. Um, even though our Democratic County Commissioner objected to placing this item on the agenda, the DA's office interfered and actually ruled that they had to move forward with the item on the agenda. Now, there's been a huge outcry, obviously, from the public, obviously, the Democratic Party and Washoe County and the state party and other surrounding counties have um, pushed back. And we just got word just as this call was starting that the um, agenda item is supposed to be pulled from the agenda. We're waiting for official notice now, but you know, there's been a huge public outcry against it, but I expect that it will come back again. God, that's mind boggling. I mean, um, my understanding is that the Nevada legislature, both houses are Democrat, is that right? Yeah, we have a, we have a Democratic majority in our state legislature, that's correct. And a, Democrat. Have a Republican Secretary of State, is that correct? And a Republican Secretary of State who still certified our election results and, of course, got a lot of grief from the Republican Party for it. You know, Nevada's one of the reasons Nevada is being attacked is because our margins are still narrow. I mean, we're still technically a swing state or battleground state, um, even though Biden won here, it was only by a two point margin. But when you look at the statistics, look at the data. I mean, the margins between Democrat and Republican voter turnout, um, even with mail-in ballots, the, the percentages for early voting, it's narrow. So it, it makes sense that, you know, you would target some of those swing states as well as, you know, red states um, to take every advantage of wherever you could to suppress the vote. To Jeez, it's mind-boggling. My understanding is also, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that the Nevada legislature is the first legislature in U.S. history to go majority female. Is that That's correct? Absolutely correct. We're very proud of that. Well, um, as they say in Italian, Mazel Tov. So uh, good, good work on that. Um, um, let's go. Can you stick with us, Judith? I want to go to a couple more states so we can we can uh, network. Right above you on my screen is Robert Wilson, uh, former uh, Assistant Secretary of State in North Carolina. Uh, Robert, can you give us the bad, can you give us the bad news from North Carolina? <laughs> You're muted, muted, there you go. You're, right, can there you, you hear go. me now? Yeah. Okay, good afternoon everyone. As, 
as usual, it is indeed an honor and a privilege to be here with you to uh, discuss gerrymandering. And uh, we here in North Carolina are in the process of drawing the districts for that congressional folks in the House and the Senate members in the legislature. And we did that before, and they went to the North Carolina Supreme Court, and they threw them out saying they were unconstitutional. So they had to do a rewrite, and now we're back in court. And my prediction is that I do believe that they're going to, again, throw out the congressional piece and probably the Senate piece. I don't know how the House piece is going to go, but I do think that they would throw out those two pieces. Now... I think it will behoove everyone to understand what we, when we start talking about gerrymandering, exactly what this is. And gerrymandering is when one party gets to draw the lines for their benefit so that they can maintain power and control. It's not a Republican thing or a Democratic thing or an independent thing. They all do the same thing. And it's done to maintain power and control. And we have gotten to a point now where elected officials get to pick their voters rather than voters get to pick their own elected officials. And I've contended for the last 10, 15 years that that was wrong. But understand that gerrymandering has a history, and it goes back to the early part of the 1870s, right after the Emancipation Proclamation. And when they started drawing districts then, they were gerrymandering then. And they have been doing gerrymandering for the last 120 plus years. But the problem that we now are confronted with is, and I'm getting ready to date myself a little bit here, uh, when I grew up as a kid, I basically grew up in a society that was 80% white, 20, 19% black, and about 1% others. That was in the state of North Carolina. As those numbers begin to change, we started, and it actually started in, the in 1990, when a young man became chair of the National Democratic Party by the name of Ron Brown. That was when we first started talking about uh, the browning of America. And that conversation started in, a, in uh, 1991. And when Bill Clinton became president, it magnified it. Because if you remember correctly, a lot of you, that Bill Clinton used to be called the first black president. And the reason for that was Ron Brown, who was chair of the DNC, and Vernon Jordan were giving access and had a seat at the table. And there was a push then to have minorities involved in government at a bigger volume. And a lot of people got hung up on that. And we have been involved in that fight as the numbers continue to go down in terms of population and we become more of a diverse nation, it gets worse and worse. I contend to you now that we are at a serious inflection point where if we don't change something, namely our way of thinking about an election, because election is in fact about two things. It is about power and privilege. And everybody that thinks that this is about good government and about us being able to live together is in my opinion, kind of living in a fantasy land. We need to understand that beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is not about us individually, this is about us collectively. Can we live together as one people? And I believe that we can. Yeah. And I think there are several things that we need to do that we need to get involved in in terms of what we need to do to make sure that we can maintain our democracy. And when we start talking, when people start talking about states' rights, we got a problem. 
When people start talking about succeeding from the United States, their state succeeding, we got a problem. When people start talking about taking over government by force, we got a problem. And the worst part about that is when people start warring citizens against the government, we definitely have a problem. So we have got to come together and understand that this is all about us collectively, not individually. And gerrymandering has been a part of this process for 120 something years. Okay. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Very, very well spoken. Very beautiful. Uh, and we, let's go to Ohio now. Uh, Steve Caruso, uh, we have some folks on from Ohio to talk about the situation there. Uh, they haven't shown up yet. I've got a couple uh, web pages open on a lawsuit, if I could put those up. Yeah, please. Well, okay. let me explain real quick. I think we mentioned it last week. Uh, the citizens of Ohio uh, voted to um, reform the um, gerrymandering situation, and, and uh, which was out of control. Ohio um, is about a little, it's about 50-50 Democrat, Republican. It started to turn a little more towards the Republican side. Uh, they had uh, 16, I believe, um, uh, congressional seats, and the state was so badly gerrymandered, uh, still is, that uh, the, the um, congressional breakdown was 12 to 4, Republicans to Democrats, in a state essentially 50-50. And the, the even worse, well, just as bad, in both houses of the Ohio legislature, you had Republican supermajorities, even though uh, the state is divided 50-50. So the um, people of Ohio voted in a process to ameliorate this, and it called for various commissions and so on, and the Republicans sabotaged, uh, and this is you know just reporting, it's not partisan, the Republicans sabotaged the, the process and, and delivered a map that's even worse than 12 to 4. It's looking more like 14 to 2 in the congressional, and still with both houses of the legislature, uh, supermajority Republican. Uh, the Republican, le the legislature in Ohio was so um, uh, right wing, has been so right wing, that they were overruling the Republican governor, uh, John Kasich. And uh, now they're, they sometimes fight with the, the, the new Republican governor, Mike DeWine. So this, the, the map that was drawn in sabotaging the gerrymandering commission was so bad that it went to the Ohio Supreme Court, which is four to three Republican. And the chief justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, who is a Republican, Maureen O'Connor, threw out the map. And, told, and the Republicans went completely crazy, but she threw out the map, demanded they redraw it. They, re they drew up another version. They sent it back to the Supreme Court, and she threw it out again. Now, at this point, it's my understanding, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, that Ohio does not have districts in place to conduct the upcoming primaries. And, well, right. you know, they're, they're, <laughs> this is anarchy. There's, there, is, there is no, they can, if they tried to hold the election in Ohio, and I believe this is a similar situation in North Carolina. Co correct me, Robert, if I'm wrong, but uh, there's no way to hold an election now in Ohio because the, the, the Republicans sabotaged the reform of the gerrymandering and then one, one Supreme Court justice stood up. Is that, is that accurate, Steve? You're actually in Ohio. Right. Yeah, they're talking about extending the deadline for the election now because Republicans were offered a deal. The Roden Plan 3, I put the link in the, the chat for it, and uh, they turned it down. They didn't even look. They showed up late at the meeting. Well, we, you know, this is what they've been doing all along. They've been kind of like stonewalling. The total, total subversion. So we're joined by uh, Jennifer Roberts, 
you know, Jennifer Roberts is the former, many of you know, Jennifer Roberts is the for, former two-term mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, and she is now with the Carter Center dealing with these issues. So my understanding, Jennifer, maybe you know, maybe Steve knows, is that the, the citizens groups in Ohio responding to the uh, complete meltdown of the gerrymandering process or the districting process in Ohio, uh, some group uh, has drawn up an independent, nonpartisan uh, districting uh, a formula. Have you seen this? And Jennifer, are, are you familiar with other situations around the country like this? Um, hi, Harvey. I have pulled over. I am not driving in case you're worried. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, there, yes, there are other groups that are trying to get uh, citizen groups um, to offer their maps. Um, I've heard, and I, there are so many states that are in the flux right now. I mean, we've got Alabama, Ohio, North Carolina. Um, we have we have special masters um, who are going to be overseeing what the courts have brought back in North Carolina. Um, one Democrat, one Republican, and one unaffiliated, former all former judges. Uh, you know, it's what, what I hear from from folks. Uh, it is it's harder than you think to draw what we what we think of as fair maps, um, because we're also looking at not double bunking or um, drawing people out of their districts that they're already in, um, because that can be seen as putting your thumb on the scale as well. So, but um, I, I'm not familiar with exactly up to date what's going on with Ohio. Um, more up to date with North Carolina. Well, does the does the Carter Center have a plan uh, on a national basis to counteract gerrymandering? We had discussed last time maybe getting a network of citizen groups to draw up uh, fair maps uh, yep. to at least have an alternative that we can point to. Is that at all practical? Um, I, I have raised the issue. And uh, as I said, you know, every state is different um, in terms of, um, you know, how they obviously how they handle elections and how the judges are, whether the judges are elected or appointed, um, even some citizen groups um, and nonpartisan groups that have suggested maps, um, the legislature ends up voting against them and, you know, they're the ultimate authority. So every state is different. Um, oh. The Carter Center, you know, is definitely interested in fairness. And um, that's, you know, gerrymandering is all about not being fair. Um, they don't have capacity right now, but they are looking to align um, with groups and uh, share information with groups that are trying to get better processes. It can work. Um, some states it's worked very well to have nonpartisan commissions. Um, and, you know, you just have to, other states have the ability to overrule it, either the governor or the, or the general assembly or the courts. Jennifer, doesn't no. the constitution state that Congress has the right to regulate elections across the board, across the board, except for when the senatorial elections are held. And now that's, this whole thing about legislatures being able to run the elections is a ruse. It doesn't have any room in the Constitution. So on a national basis, I think the Republicans would be interested in cooperating, unlike in Ohio, where they don't want to give up their seats anymore, because some Democratic states, you know, are gerrymandered to their benefit. So I think Everybody should be on a fair playing field. The people will make the decision. We are a government for the people and by the people. So, you know, that why can't we just do that? I'm, I totally agree. <laughs> no. uh, I, I, I think it, you know, um, every seat should, should be competitive uh, because that means that elected officials are actually accountable to the people when they know that they have to work hard and listen hard, um, they will make better policy. And that's the problem with gerrymandering. You know, we had that horrible HB2 law in North Carolina, uh, what, four or five years ago. They looked at who voted for it. 95% of the people who voted for it either had no competition because they were so gerrymandered, nobody would run against them, or they won by double digits. So why do they have to be accountable? 
And this is, you know, this is the, a challenge with a lot of good legislation that the people support, but our lawmakers don't because they don't have to listen to the people. Because well, that, that's the whole thing in Ohio. They don't want to give up their seats. It's come to that point where either they make a decision to give up their seats or they break the law. So, you know, they're looking at contempt of court issues with this. And uh, Judith, Judith Whitmer, I, earlier, I wanted to ask you, did you have a problem with the Democratic National Party and your slated candidates in Nevada? Has that been resolved or is that still ongoing? That's still ongoing. And, you know, we've had our own gerrymandering issues as well here in Nevada. I mean, we have a Democratic state majority, state legislative majority here. And, um, you know, there were still a lot of neighborhoods and communities that were split by the new district lines. There's a lot of uproar from constituents about the redistricting, not just the uh, opposite party, but by, you know, neighbors and communities that have been split now. In fact, um, it seems like we've decided, you know, just to give away whole communities and neighborhoods to the Republican Party, too, so that we can hold on, you know, to our House districts and our, our Senate districts, um, which, you know, is great for the Democrats, I guess, but it's not good for the people. And this is what this is what the problem is, is that with all this partisan gerrymandering, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, it ends up that it's not a fair process for the voters, um, for Nevadans here. You know, they want the right to elect their their candidates that represent their communities. They don't want those candidates chosen for them. So, you know, it's a huge problem here. And as far as the, the ongoing battle with the DNC, I expect that to be ongoing for a while, unfortunately. Well, the, the reality is that the, the, the Republicans are gerrymander to defeat the Democrats and the, Jerry, and the Democrats gerrymander to defeat the progressives. And, you know, that we saw that um, against Bernie and we continue to see it. So here's here's the sixty four trillion dollar question. How do we beat this? How, how do we stop the gerrymandering of our elections? And we did win in California. Uh, the, 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 there is a pretty good, pretty transparent, nonpartisan commission that was voted in by the voters in California uh, with $3 million from Arnold Schwarzenegger, for God's sakes. So how do we duplicate this? Uh, I know that North Carolina, you're in terrible shape. Ohio is in terrible shape. Um, many other states are, and then we had Alabama where the Supreme Court of Alabama overturned a terrible gerrymandering situation only to have the U.S. Supreme Court reinstate a ter terrible gerrymandering situation. How do we solve this problem? Anybody got an idea? I do. Yeah, I do. All right. Who, who, wait, I, 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 we got hands, actually. Uh, Ruth Strauss and then Lynn Feinerman, Ruth and then Lynn, on gerrymandering, please. What about me? Um, well, you spoke earlier, Jeffrey. Let's do uh, Lynn and, and Ruth, and uh, we'll get you in quickly. Go ahead. Um, this isn't exactly, well, it, not exactly gerrymandering, but definitely voting. Um, first, I wanted to thank uh, Mr. Wilson for being on the call. As I recall, Ron Brown was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, killed in a very suspicious um, plane crash. But anyway, uh, it reminds me of, I think it's either W.E.D. Du Bois or Frederick, Drug, uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, Power Concedes. Uh, Ruth? Yes, Sluggo, we're going to try to answer the question on gerrymandering and not get into Ron Brown this minute. Uh, go, go ahead. Saying we need Can to you... enlarge the court. Thank you. Um, uh, um, okay, uh, Lynn Feinerman and then Jeffrey real quick. Yes, I just wanted to ask, what is the possibility? I'm not familiar enough with constitutional election rules, but what is the possibility of having a national uh, campaign to uh, do redistricting in a, in a decent and fair way. Well, I think we could start one here. That's part of the suggestion we're hoping to do. We got to figure out how to do it. We have been talking about doing a major press conference or a major, I know Robert uh, Wilson wants to do a, 
a major uh, a Zoom or some kind of gathering or convention on gerrymandering, we don't have any easy answers here because it's a state by state situation, Lawrence. Uh, Jeffrey Barkdo, then I want to go back to uh, uh, is uh, uh, Jennifer Bru uh, still with us? Jennifer Roberts? Uh, go ahead, Jeffrey, real yep, quick. I'm still here. I'm still okay. here. Uh, Jeffrey, go ahead, and then we want. I want to ask Jennifer a question. I found I found ways that we can stop gerrymandering via YouTube. They said they got. I think they got some good info. Good info. All right, very good. Well, I'll put it in the chat. We appreciate that. So, Jennifer, we have the um, we have the Carter Center, we have the Brennan Center, we have Eric Holder, who's working on this. We don't know how effectively. Um, what 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 can we do to pull together the big groups? Uh, follow through on Robert Wilson's suggestion that we have a national gathering on this. Something has to happen. We we all know the problem now. We can't keep wringing our hands. I mean, the Ohio situation can only be described as psychedelic. I mean, how how do you have in twenty in the year twenty twenty two, the state of Ohio, in the middle of the United States of America? that is so badly screwed up on their dis districting, they literally cannot have an election. They can't, these guys, even the good guys and the bad guys, whoever they are, they don't know at this point in time how to run for office. They don't know what districts they're in. It's insane. Yeah, well, so, we're- You know, Robert Wilson, did, do, you, do you think uh, uh, we can maybe convene a national convention? Jennifer, uh, maybe the Carter, Center can help facilitate something to, well, that we can deal with this? Yeah, I, I, I do think, that, I mean, obviously it's going to take federal legislation and, um, you know, voting rights, um, some of the uh, voting legislation had stuff about gerrymandering in it. Of course, it didn't pass, but it's going to take federal legislation, you know, kind of like civil rights law, because some states just aren't responsible. <laughs> and it is a huge part of our democracy. Um, Robert Wilson has had great experience um, in looking at how elections run and how gerrymandering runs. And, um, you know, it's, it's possible. I don't know if we can do it before 2022, but it would be great to do it before 2024, even though, um, you know, some of the things may still be in court. But I, I think it is time for a national conversation. The challenge with gerrymandering is it's so wonky the average person doesn't understand how you can have the same people and draw the line and end up with completely different results for who wins they, they just don't it's a very difficult concept to get popular support for but we have enough nonprofits and enough smart people and lawyers etc who do know that we should be able to get something going I, I don't you know i don't know um where you started people like eric holder haven't uh, haven't figured it out or haven't been able to, you know, it's the federal federal legislation needs to happen. It's un, it's unreal. Well, okay, so we let's uh, let's plot a course here. We're gonna Bobby. talk about this every week till we get it done. Uh, Robert Wilson, go ahead. Okay. I'll call on uh, uh, Ray McClendon also if he's still with us. Tell us about what's going on in Georgia. Robert, go ahead. Okay, Harvey, there, there, there are a couple of things I think we can do, but. Each state's going to be different because the makeup and and the severity of the problem in each state will vary from state to state. But what I think needs to happen is we do need to have a national conversation on gerrymandering. Plus, each state needs to do their independent redistricting commission in their state to draw the congressional and legislative maps, number one. Number two... I think we need a separate bill in Congress to for pre-clearance that needs to be a standalone bill for pre-clearance for elections so that before any of this is put into law, it would have to clear the Justice Department in terms of the constitutionality of it and the legitimacy of it. I also think we need to look at public financing for congressional and legislative races across the board. And last but not least, I think we need to now start making judges 
identify their party affiliation when they are running to be a judge. Okay, that's fair. Um, what I want to do now is for uh, we at six fifteen, uh, we're going to have a discussion on five G. So we've still got about twenty minutes. Julie uh, Levine, thank you uh, for being with us, and and we're going to do that at six fifteen uh, Eastern time, uh, three fifteen California time. Uh, until we get there, um, uh, uh, let's lay out some kind of tangible strategy that we will we'll discuss this every week now into the uh, uh, future. This has to be solved. There has to be a solution. Uh, Tatanka, you know the con commission in California very well. It seems to work pretty well. What other states, I know that Michigan made some steps in that direction. Uh, what, what else can we do to get this going? And Judith, you're in Nevada. I don't know what your situation is with redistricting. Tatanka, can you talk about well, we have a two-thirds we have a two-thirds we have a two-thirds Democratic majority in California. It's a different situation in other states. So I, I don't have a solution for the things that Robert and everyone's bringing up. It is terrible, and those solutions that we do need a national conversation. We need yeah. national legislation, and we need grassroots organizing to get people involved in every community and in every state to to uh, embody citizen uh, authority, uh, you know, to, to have this happen. I don't see any shortcut. I don't know. I, I would disagree on that for, for a couple of different reasons. Every time we Wait. try to have a discussion about voting rights or voter suppression, you know, we get hung up with a filibuster or some, some, something, you know, it's, it's Democrats never seem to have the will to get it done. You know, there's a lot of these things that could have been put into place already with a Democratic majority in Congress, and we've chosen not to do it. So this is gonna come back to each state. Um, there's no way to avoid that. In Nevada, um, we've had a push here for an independent commission, redistricting commission. And I think that's what we're gonna have to continue to push on. Progressives particularly gonna have to push Nevada towards that effort. Um, and we can do it here by ballot initiative. So I think there's a lot of things that you have to look at as far as strategically to see what you can do in your state to push for an independent commission. Because the, I think that's the first step is that there's got to be an independent, that the redistricting has to happen by an independent commission to start with. Here in Nevada, it's the, the lines are drawn by the state legislature. So whoever's in charge gets to make the decisions on where the maps are. Um, you know, For us, for Democrats, of course, you know, it came out to our benefit this time because Democrats were in control, but it didn't come out to benefit the people of Nevada. And that's the problem with it. And that's why we have to continue to work to resolve that. It's amazing. I mean, here we won this big victory in Ohio and everybody thought, you know, we had taken a step forward and it's, it's worse than ever. Uh, you know, and uh, it's like in Florida where we, the progressives won this statewide initiative to allow ex-felons to vote and the and the legislature waltzes in and puts in all these financial requirements we we have to have a some kind of national strategy and jennifer roberts i hope we can work uh, uh consistently uh with the uh with the carter center i did want to call on ray mcclendon who's a great strategist in, in atlanta uh ray what is your feeling on this i know that Georgia is horrendously uh, gerrymandered. Are you still with us, Robert? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. And then yeah, I, I'm, I'm here. I just want to call on Dennis Bernstein if he's still with us uh, to announce uh, uh, something. But go ahead, Ray. Ray McClendon. Yeah, I, I'm here, and we certainly need a national strategy, but but we've got to be local. Uh, let me tell you what's going on in Georgia right now. Uh, we we have the certainly the federal races are, and districts are going to be gerrymandered. But we go all the way down to the county commission and precinct level gerrymandering. So we're in battles right now over major counties, uh, primarily Democratic counties in Georgia, where typically the maps that would be drawn would be approved by the local delegations. In Georgia, we have home rule, which means that the local delegation would take up bills affecting it, 
not the entire uh, House or Senate. Uh, they have gone now to taking those bills related to gerrymandering out of local legislation, where the Republicans have majority control, almost supermajority control, and are changing maps that typically, by precedent and tradition, would have been voted on solely by the local delegation. So what is the impact of that? That means that Fulton County, DeKalb County, Gwinnett, Chatham counties, which is Savannah, uh, all of those counties and, and, and two or three others, uh, Richmond County, uh, what's, what's the commonality in all of those? Those are democratic strongholds. They are no longer now under local delegation control, but under state control. So that means even down to the county commission and the level races, this is a problem going forward. So we can talk about it from a, from a congressional point of view, but we've got to have people that are concentrating on also what's going on community to community, county to county. We have something, as you, you all have heard, talk, talking about with the Center for Common Ground, Democracy Centers. There's also another collaboration partner that we have here in Georgia called, <clears throat> called the, the Coalition for the People's Agenda, which was started by uh, the, the late uh, great Re uh, Reverend Dr. Joseph E. Lowry um, that started the People's Agenda. They have networks around the state now between called Democracy Squads. So between democracy centers, democracy squads, the NAACP chapters in, in every county, we're now working focused on these counties to galvanize the people to rise up, to deal with the issues of, of, of why this makes a difference, why, why it is that we should be allowing for the states to change tradition and precedence in order to take over local control of these operations. So, so this is a part of a bigger issue that we're dealing with here, but we, but we have got to put a strategy together. Yes, it's great to go national and have a national strategy, but we've seen what that's gotten us. We have got to start grassroots organizing and go county to county, neighborhood to neighborhood, because that's what the Republicans are doing now. They're going neighborhood to neighborhood and they are extracting concessions that allow them to put minority rule at multiple layers of, of government. And, and we can't overlook that. <clears throat> uh, we, if we do, it's to our own peril. Well, you know, Steve Bannon has pretty clearly announced that that's, his, that's what he intends to do, take, it, take over elections, uh, uh, precinct by precinct. We're going to continue this next week, absolutely, and, well, until we come up with something. We can't just say, oh, we need a national strategy and then say the next week we need a national strategy. So everybody needs to please think about this, read about this, get the um, get the links. I mean, Ray has that great um, book on the Georgia miracle. Ray, if you can put it in the Georgia way to the chat about how people can get that book, that would be great. I do want to quickly call on Dennis Bernstein. Uh, Dennis is one of our great radio presences on the Pacifica Network out of Berkeley. Uh, he's been very, very supportive been a lot, on a lot of our calls. He's also a great poet and a great guy. Uh, Dennis, uh, can you uh, chime in here? You've got something going that you want to announce to everybody. Yeah, well, first of all, I really appreciate coming to these, um, uh, these election protection meetings every week. On our show, Flashpoints, we've been doing regular drumbeat reporting on every aspect of the stealing of the vote. And so I just want to encourage people, you can get me at Dennis uh, at kpfa.org, Dennis at kpfa.org. If there's a story, if you yourself are engaged in a story, some example of, you know, the theft, the steal, the, uh, the, uh, or the violence around it, we're doing as much reporting as we can. And we, uh, have the open door to tell that story, uh, because clearly uh, this is going to get ugly. Uh, you all are talking about the practicalities and the structural things, but this there's violence that's underlying all of this, and we want to keep an eye on that. 
as well. So if you've got a story, uh, we're also now on daily in Los Angeles. We're all over the country now. We've got a good listenership all over the world. We want to get that story out. So it's Dennis at kpfa.org. If you've got a story or if you think I should talk to somebody or you know somebody who really has something to say and wants to get it out. Thank you, Harv. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis is a great radio host. He's got a huge listenership now. He's what Pacifica should be. And uh, so contact him, please. And Dennis, we're going to keep doing this. So next week, again, you've got a homework assignment. We got to think on this. We got to figure this out. Uh, this I, I don't have to explain to anybody on this call what the stakes are. And we've got the best organizers in the country. They don't come any better than Ray McClendon uh, or Robert Wilson or Judith or uh, so many others. So uh, Jennifer Roberts uh, at the Carter Center, if we can somehow bring in the Brendan Center, somehow connect with uh, Eric uh, Holder's uh, uh, efforts. We, we got to present some kind of document and some kind of game plan uh, where we can overcome this. And, uh, and uh, you know, they did it in California. And uh, we, we, we have a, a system in California that actually works well. And uh, we've got to somehow duplicate it. I will point out that in 2008 and 2010, when they were when the citizens movement was pushing to do this nonpartisan, uh, transparent uh, districting commission, the principal opposition came from the Democratic Party and Nancy Pelosi, because they were in charge, uh, and uh, you know they they had their safe districts and they uh, wanted to keep them. So this is this is multipartisan. And we, we need to deal with this as we will continue next week. Myla, Myla Reason? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Harvey. Thank you, Harvey. You know, you asked me earlier if I had a Pacifica update, and I realize I do. If this would be a good time or later? Um, well, let's, let's finish with gerrymandering real quick. Um, um, okay. Uh, well, actually, yeah, go ahead, please, because the election issues are alive and, and not well at Pacifica as well. And then uh, we'll, I'll ask for more on gerrymandering. We will have uh, uh, 25 minutes or so on, on 5G, and then we will return at 40 past to the, um, to the issues uh, uh, on gerrymandering, and then you can use the four-letter words that we all love so well. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Myla, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Harvey. You know, this is directly related to election integrity and everyone who is concerned about election integrity should be concerned about this uh, experiment in media democracy that has gone awry at Pacifica because people, unfortunately, in charge of overseeing the uh, democratic elections at Pacifica have uh, overstepped and have created a very... Um, dangerous situation. At KPFK, in our, at our local station board election that was held recently, four of our candidates were disappeared from the ballot after the ballots had been cast, after the listener members had voted, and, um, and, there, and the votes of uh, over 100 listener members were not counted. They were thrown away. As a result of that, the local station board at KPFK is operating, operating under a cloud of illegitimacy because four individuals who would have won, unfortunately, one of those people, our dear friend Will Ryan, is no longer with us. He's passed away. But three of the four who were disappeared would now be serving on the KPFK local station board. All of the station boards at Pacifica are now electing delegate members from the local station boards to serve on the national board. And of those three who were illegitimately removed from the running, would most likely be be elected to serve on the on the committees of the National Pacifica National Board. So the fact that this, so this has major implications on the governance of KPF of Pacifica and KPFK, and it's still unsettled. And it's something that um, that you have written about, Harvey, 
and that people can find out more about if they go to newdaypacifica.org and they can become informed. And hopefully if you are a member, if you are a listener member of, KPF, of KPFK or Pacifica, we're hoping that you will weigh in on this and uh, make sure to right this wrong because this is still a struggle that we're involved in and it's not settled yet. And thank you. Right. Thank you, Myla. And my, I, I will say that Myla and I, <laughs> this has never happened to me in my whole career as an activist. Myla and I were censored in the last KPFK board meeting. The, the chair of the board refused to allow us to speak to this very issue. And Pacifica is very, very important. I know it's an eye roller when we bring it up here, but uh, Myla did a very good job there. And we need, we need your participation and uh, and, and it allows us- Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone 